0: Hi, I'm Cody Alexander of Match Quarters, and welcome to another The Art of X show. This is going to be a transition where once we get into the season, I'm going to do a little bit more of what I call Friday Thoughts, give you a preview of the weekend, what's going on. We're now in week zero, so college football is here. We also have the wrap-up of the NFL preseason, which is exciting because I know we're all ready to get ready for that. So I'm going to kind of go through what I'm looking forward to this weekend, kind of go through. Some things for you to look at. That's going to be the goal of this transition into end season. Uh, I may every once in a while do a little bit more of some scheme-based schematic stuff as they come up or what I've been writing about on the Substack. But in terms of in the season, I do understand there's a lot going on, uh, so this is going to be kind of the transition from from here on out until the end of the season. So let's get into it. Let's talk about the three matchups I'm looking forward to this weekend and kind of give you a preview uh, of what I'm thinking. So UConn versus Utah State, uh, all about the Aggie defense. Now, on paper, this is not going to be a great game in terms of, Uh, there's going to be high scoring on both sides or this, what a great matchup of elite teams. UConn, not a great program. I think people kind of understand that that's kind of one of those fledgling programs within college football. But I will say this, the Utah State Aggies are a really, really good team. Offensively, they're bringing back their three-headed monster and their quarterback running back and receiver. They've got a great offense. But on top of that, you also have a really, really good defense. Ephraim Banda, he's a Manny Diaz disciple. He was there last year when they had they were 35th on EPA per play, which for a Mountain West team, that's not bad. Again, you're in the top third of all of college football. Remember, we got 130 plus teams in FBS. So if you are up there in you know over the 40 40 mark, you're you're sitting there pretty nice in that in that upper third. And they were 21st EPA versus the run. The the kind of scheme that you get with the Manny Diaz is very blitz centric. A lot of fire zone, a lot of fire five-man pressures. Um, Ephraim Banda has done a great job last year with Utah State. They were a fun uh, kind of defense to watch, and I would expect that going into this game as well. Uh, this is going to be one of those games where you're like, look, I'm going to watch this for about the first half because I know that they're gonna, they're gonna, we're going to see some really nice things. Again, when you get a team like Utah State that has some expectations, this is a team that you would expect to win 10, 11 games maybe in the Mountain West maybe even challenge for that Mountain West title against a team that, really isn't doing hot. Uh, there's not, they don't have a lot going on for them. This is a game as a defensive coordinator, when you kind of go in and you're like, okay, let's one, we, maybe we can play some of our younger kids later in the game, but early in the game, I want to see what we can do. I want to see if we can get some of this stuff in and on tape so we can work at it. Uh, they were tied second in the nation for tackles for loss in, in 21 would expect the same production this year. This is a very, uh, again, tackle for loss, uh, kind of mode of a of a defense they need and thrive on tackles for loss when you're going to blitz as much as they do you want to make sure that you are getting those tackles behind the line of scrimmage and so this is one of those games where if you're looking for some blitz designs some kind of different ways to do some things this is going to be one of those this is going to be one of those games that you're going to want to pay attention to utah offense again i just want to utah state's offense again it's going to be really good this is going to be probably one of those uh where the line is it is it 27 and it will probably be a little bit over that yeah it's going to be a blowout coach why are you why are you giving us a blowout but I will just say this if you're defensively which is that's what match quarters is all about this is a game that I would that I would sit down and watch at least the first half and hey who knows these first games you never you never know UConn could come out and uh just really give them something you know that's one of those things early in the season especially as a coach when you're going in uh is that you never know until you play someone. You know, college football is different than the NFL in the sense that we don't have a preseason, right? The in high school you're doing scrimmages uh, you get those scrimmages. Maybe you're doing some jamborees, depending on what state you're from. NFL gets the three preseason games. College football does not get to scrimmage anybody, um, and I'll, it's just one of those weird deals where they don't scrimmage anybody. You can't even bring in the local D D two team or the local one double A team uh, to come over because you're probably playing them in the season if you if you need that kind of a game. So this is one of those deals where yeah, Utah State's up. You know they're they're the 27 point favorite. Could it get close? Of course it could, especially early in the year. You know, I never look at week one. Games uh, unless there's some major injuries because uh, teams are always going to progress or they're going to regress through the season. So this is, again, probably one of a game that I will sit down and I will watch because I'm going to watch how that defense is structured and what they're doing. Because, again, Bandit does a great job. uh, And there's a lot of things you you can pull away from. it. again, one of the top defenses against the run, they have really good run defense, run pressures on early down. So this is something that I'm looking forward to. So UConn versus Utah State – That's that's definitely a game to look for. Now, my second game, yes, I yes, I'm a North Texas homer because that's where Phil Bennett is. But if you're looking at the slate of games, this game is actually all about defense. Both offenses weren't elite or great in in 21. So this is something that you can be looking forward if you're like, look, I need something late at night to get me through this weekend and get me through Sunday. I want to watch some defense. This is going to be a great game to watch the defense. Both of the defenses from Utah, UTEP, and from north texas really came on at the end of the year last year um it early on north texas was struggling uh, on defense but as as i've lived it and i've been in that system it take it's kind of a slow burn it takes a little bit of time to get together and now that at the end of the year you go and you look that they had a a huge win against utsa at the end of the year their defense was really really good especially their run defense that's one thing that phil bennett will constantly be preaching is that you're going to have to stop the run um it, it's a uh, three four quarters based scheme if you've read anything if you've uh, watched anything of mine if you've followed me at all you kind of have an idea of what this defense is going to do so on uh, uh, this uh, game to me is going to be uh, something that i've been looking forward to because i know that this is going to be a two good defenses playing against each other versus some not so great offenses or offenses that are trying to figure it out. So if we look at North Texas, right, they're going to be a three, four quarters based. If you've uh, seen anything on, on my site about Oki, this is it. It's kind of a flex under front. They do move around. They, and what I like about coach Bennett's defense is that it, fits along the lines of what a lot of these other modern defenses are doing okay we can talk about georgia till we're blue in the face we can talk about alabama baylor all of these other defenses uh you know the clemson defenses with venables now they're at oklahoma all of these all of these kind of big programs that a lot of every everybody kind of really wants to pinpoint and look at what are they doing and what is their schematics i think what what coach bennett does at north texas is really kind of a simplified version of that the call sheet is not going to be as robust or as deep as some of these other programs that you see. If you've ever seen the Georgia playbook that was leaked on online, that thing is absolutely insane. And so you can only imagine what the Alabama one looks like. I know that there's been some things out there with, with, with Clemson as well. So what does it give you? You're going to get a base under front. It's going to move to over front and a G front, which is you using that two I as a nose. And then you're also going to get some tight front and bear looks. So you're going to get everything. You're going to get your even spacing you're going to get your odd spacing it's going to be quarter space um it, you know coach bennett is not afraid to blitz the, the blitz designs are going to be there that you're looking for so again 15th epa versus run last year i don't think that it will get any worse uh this next year i think the coverage aspect of this defense will get only get better in year two that's usually when it starts to connect and that's usually when it starts to pop so they had a strong finish to the year and that's always a good indicator to who's coming back and then how did they finish the year before? This is a team that finished strong and something that uh, I, I'm looking forward to, especially being kind of that North Texas homer with with my mentor, Phil Bennett there, and then my other mentor, Jim Gush, who's a linebacker coach. They do an excellent job there. UTEP's DC is Bradley Del Pivotel. It's going to be a 4 hybrid defense. They're going to do, you know, even front, but yet odd spacing, the creeper sim world. This is going to be a defense that you're going to want to watch. It's going to be different than the North Texas defense so you're going to get two hybrid schemes but they're going to be a little bit more uh philosophically separated than what you would normally see in terms of like if you were watching you know wisconsin play baylor that's essentially you know really similar defenses so 19th epa in play it was a top 25 defense last year in terms of epa per play it was 13th epa versus a run so these are two defenses that are really good and in that upper echelon of defenses within college football bradley del Pivato. i heard him speak this this year at the coaching clinic that we have here in uh, texas where all the high school coaches get together all the college coaches around uh, texas and some around the country all all kind of get in one area uh, he had a clinic on how they structure their their uh their creepers and sims and how they blitz and how they structure their defense and and it's i mean it it's like you would see anywhere if you walked into a staff room at baylor you walked into a staff room at georgia alabama any of these that, that live in that creeper and sim world um so uh, you know the line is even and i would say that you know if you're saying okay well home field advantage utep uh it's really going to come down to who's got the better offense who's going to be able to kind of get that offense going i'm a homer i'm going to go with north texas but this is a game that if you're looking for a solid game on week one this is the game this is the game and that's why it's a, it's it's late uh if it and so this is this is the game if you can find it online this is the one that you're that you're going to watch it's not being carried by a, a national television brand but this is definitely a game that if you can find it, find it streaming somewhere this is the one that you want to sit down and one that I'm I'm definitely interested in looking at. Nebraska and Northwestern, it's in Ireland. You've got the coach on the hot seat. You've got the rebuild, which I I feel like Northwestern is constantly always going through the cycle where they're going to go three and nine, and then they're going to go nine and three. They're going to go three and nine, and then they're going to go nine and three. And they are constantly up on that up and down. Go look at their historical schedule, and that's what it constantly is. So we went three and nine last year didn't have a great season. Now we're looking at, okay, are they going to win nine games? Are they going to challenge for for a big 10 title? Is this going to be the kind of the trend that we've been seeing? Frost has one more year to get it right in Nebraska. You know, I'm from Kansas city. Uh, Nebraska is just like a, a two hours away from, from my hometown. I'm, I'm, Fairly familiar with the history of that program. Um, All of my coaches growing up were humongous Nebraska fans. So I know all about the Huskers, the black shirt defense. In fact, when I was in high school, that was kind of, uh, if you were a defensive starter, you got to wear a black shirt. So I'm very familiar with uh, the Nebraska program and kind of what has happened post uh, Tom Osborne and Solich. You know, you had the Pelini years where it was like we're constantly losing four games. We can't get over that hump. Uh, And now you've got Scott Frost who's kind of the golden boy of Nebraska, he's coming back, you know, and they haven't really done anything in the Big 10. They have and he's on the hot seat. This is probably his last year. He's got to get it right. Again, Northwestern on the other side coming uh, off in an abysmal year. They lost a lot of production to the NFL. They've got some guys off of that defense. They had an unbelievable defense 2 years ago, and so it's kind of coming off of that. They, they again, they tend to cycle. All the pressure's on Nebraska anytime you're going to do these exhibition games and especially when you're traveling to another country it's going to be all about who can handle the distraction the most there's going to be so much going on you again you've got kids that have literally never been out of the country that are going to the country Uh, sometimes that you're going to have uh, kids that uh, had never even been on a vacation. And now all of a sudden they're, they're kind of in this vacation mode where they're, Hey, we're, we're in Ireland, but we're practicing football. Um, It's almost going to be like a bowl game type atmosphere. And if you've ever been on a, uh, to a bowl game. I've been on on several bowl game staffs. One of the biggest things is, especially with your younger players, is kind of getting them them focused. You want to have fun, and it is fun, and that's what it's about. But at the end of the day, like, hey man, we got it. We got to play this game, and we got to win. Not only is it that it's kind of this bowl game setting, but you're playing a an opponent within your conference, which means you have to win this game. This is a must win game for Nebraska. You feel like uh, with North. Northwestern they've got they they are going to want to win this game to kind of get their season rolling um the Nebraska let's go down to kind of schematics and what this is going to look like the Nebraska offense is fun to watch but I feel like it never really goes anywhere if you want to look at play design and some really cool plays the Nebraska tape is always really cool to put on and you're like oh that was a really interesting play but then you look up and it's like uh you know it's 24-17 and they're losing um, so, uh, again, the defense is, isn't anything special or to speak about. It's a middle-of-the-pack defense. It kind of always has been. It, it's in line with a lot of what you see kind of around the NCAA. It's more offensively based as a program. Defense, you know, that's the thing that's going to be is can the offense start clicking can it streamline the process? Can it start scoring points? And can the defense become a kind of an upper third defense and kind of ascend into kind of that top 40, top 30 range? That's where you start winning. Do we have an offense that scores points? And do we have a defense that's at least in the top third of college football? If you have that, then you're going to have a successful season. If you don't have that, then your offense better score a bunch of points uh, because at the end of the day, elite defenses it's just not going to do it for you anymore you're gonna have to score points so even Georgia last year with one of the most elite defenses that we've seen at least in the past decade you you still had to score points in order to win you weren't winning games you know nine to six so we want to make sure that when we look at these teams and okay projection wise what are we seeing I do think Nebraska will win this game I think that they're the better team but Anything can happen in the first game of the season, especially when you've traveled across an ocean, Uh, especially when you've traveled all the way over to Ireland. It's going to be different culturally. It's going to be different food. Everything is completely different. I went and visited England this summer. I spoke at the British American Football Coaches Association at their convention uh, up at Keele University near Stoke. And it's just uh, the culture shock for me was completely different. Living in, living in America, going over to England, Ireland has its own unique culture going over there. All the things, again, who can eliminate the distractions is going to be the one that ends up winning the game. Northwestern, it can't get any worse than it did last year. Their offense was absolutely atrocious. It was one of the worst offenses in college football. Defense was not that better either. But again, I and I said this at the beginning of this segment, Northwestern has had a tendency of kind of rising up. They look like they're really bad. Everybody relaxes. Oh, it's it's back to the, the old Northwestern. And then they kind of have these where they rise up, offense puts something together, defense plays really salty, they win some games they're not supposed to. Next thing you know, they're they're 9 and 3 and they're headed to a really good bowl game. So, will that be the case this year? Obviously, we'll find out on week 1 what they look like. I do think Nebraska with the 13 Line, I feel like that's probably where we're looking at. Um, probably looking at a, you know, a 30 to 21 uh, kind of a score right there. I do think this is going to be a lot of pressures on Scott Frost to do something this year. There's really not a lot of pressure on, on, on um on northwestern so everything is on the big red what can they do this year so those are those are the three games if you look at the the week zero slate there's not a lot to choose from but those are the three games that if you that, that i'm going to be focused on and i'm excited to watch so let's wrap up one football's back i know we're all excited about it Again, I'm going to transition into kind of doing these uh, Friday thoughts and putting, uh, putting together what are we hearing about all week, what happened the week before, and giving you a preview of kind of what I'm excited about this week, not a lot of schematics, but As I start noticing trends and things like that, especially in the NFL and college football, start bringing those to you. If you have any questions, always comment or hit me up on on Twitter at the underscore coach underscore a Uh, with any of your questions. I can always put these in there and answer those or, or make a quick TikTok video and put it on social media. Other games of interest. Austin Pay versus Western Kentucky. You have one of the youngest coaches in all of college football versus a, 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 an offense that was really dynamic last year. Can they carry that? I know that they've lost their quarterback, but they but that's one of those places where they're always going to play offense. It's kind of within that in that culture. That'll be a fun game. Western Kentucky will probably win it by a couple of scores. But if you're looking for fun offenses, that's kind of it. both of those offenses are really good, um, really well coached. And I think that's kind of one of those, that's one of those games where it could get, it could get a little exciting. Wyoming versus Illinois, I know Illinois on the line is, is uh, I think, a couple scores ahead of Wyoming. Wyoming plays really good defense. If you're into kind of that four-down, middle-of-the-field, close defense, Wyoming is a great study to look at. I like what they do a lot on defense. It's very, it's very solid. Uh, it's not real flashy, but it's well-coached, and they do a really good job. Illinois uh, with the Belama, you know, how is that going to translate over time? Are they going to be able to get back to like when I was a kid in the early 2000s? They were winning 10 games, challenging for Rose Bowls. Uh, is that something? Is that something that we can get back to? Uh, again, uh, that's a good that's a good one. I really like Wyoming's defense in that one um, to look at. If you're just looking for a game, hey, I want to watch somebody on defense. Nevada versus New Mexico State. You have Jerry Kill who's coming back uh, to to coaching. You have Nevada that had a really good season the year before. They have a good offense. They have a solid defense this is another one of those sneaky games where on week zero you're like well there's not a lot of great games to watch this is one of those games that could end up being really really fun to watch new mexico state obviously is not one of those named programs but nevada has proven that they can win some games uh, and that they can be a solid football program so I, I would say with jerry kill being there coaching's probably a little bit better that's a, that's a game, again, that I that I would tune into if I, if I could. Vandy versus Hawaii. Anytime you travel to Hawaii at the beginning of the season, that could end up being a fun game. That'll be a late game on at night. Um, again, Vandy versus Hawaii, it's, it's football, and it's on, and it means something, so go and watch that. Uh, let's finish off with some trends that I'm looking for from this season. Notice that there's going to be an uptick in wide zone. Pistol wide zone, I know, is going to get more and more popular, uh, especially at the collegiate level. I feel like that's where, you know, under center at the collegiate level, I just feel like that's just, that's not college football, right? You want that ball getting a snap to a quarterback that's standing, uh, you know, four or five yards deep. The reason why you see that more at the high school and the college level is it, it gives a quarterback a little bit more time that that rush just isn't right there especially if you don't feel comfortable with your offensive line you at least can give that quarterback he can at least stand up straight for a, for a couple of seconds and maybe get the ball out but i would expect to see more of a wide zone that was a lot of conversations i had in the offseason with a lot of offensive guys uh, at that level and especially with the defensive guys on the other side what are you seeing We're seeing more wide zone seeing more reduced sets seeing more uh quick motions if that's that sounds exactly like the shanahan Bay system. You are exactly right. This is one of those weird situations where we have the trickle-down effect and not the trickle-up effect. I know that we're so used to, in the past decade, really seeing this trickle-up effect of the spread scheme going from uh, high school to college, college to the NFL. Now we're actually seeing it kind of reversed, and we're seeing now this wide zone you know pre-snap motion get the defense off get the eye candy going especially at the college level and the high school level where you just don't have the elite players like you do at the nfl that that eye candy is is really critical uh in the wide zone with the play action off of it i think that you're gonna you're gonna see that a lot hybrid fronts equals more looks especially on defense you know, you're going to have the even front with odd spacing. You're going to have the odd front with even space. How are they, how are they changing up the looks? I know that that was something that uh, was talked to me about by a lot of coaches in the off season this year was, Uh, Hey, we've got to find ways to to kind of take it to the offense this year. How can we do that? We can do that with post snap movement, going from different spacings up front, really challenging that offense to kind of sort things out as we're moving. Um, If you sit there and you ask an offensive coordinator, look, draw up your very favorite play against your very favorite front to run it against most of the time. You're going to get a four down front. There are some other coaches that will say, Hey, look, I actually like the type front. I like all the down blocking things. They usually are more gap schematically or they're more wide zone heavy where they're like, fine, get you all your guys inside. We're just going to run outside or we're just going to down block in, wrap a guy around on your linebackers. But for the most part, a lot of offense coordinators like that four man front. I think we're going to see more and more of the G front with wide defensive ends, again, that's a little bit more of that trickle down effect of defense in uh, these hybrid fronts. Again, where hey, we're going to get in a four down front, but we're going to fit it like odd spacing, meaning that we're going to close those B gaps. I'm going to let those inside guys kind of move around and get pushed around, and then we're going to ball fit A to C with those A to C with those those linebackers. I think the reason why you're seeing this a lot more. Then, uh, kind of that. Hey, I'm a four-two-five G front, or I'm a I'm a three-four type front guy. Is that it? Really makes the linebackers' jobs a lot easier. If I'm constantly, all I have to do is either fit the A gap or the C gap, it makes everything easy. It's what you do with the manipulation of the front on on that end then when you want to go to even spacing and make it all single gap you can still do the fluid front that i've talked about in those gap exchanges and things like that you can still do all of that because your linebackers are used to kind of rocking back anyway so bouncing back from kind of odd spacing to even spacing i know every you know kind of the, when when uh lower level coaches hear that they're like they're they're like my kids heads will explode but i really think at every level, there's less and less opportunity to coach your, your, your players. And so you have to find ways to make your scheme simple all the way, as simple as it possibly could and no more right? It's the Einstein razor, make everything as simple as possible, but no more. We don't want to make it dumb. We want to make it simple. Not, you know, and I've, I've said this before. Simple is not, does not necessarily mean simplistic. We're not trying to cut it down to, you know, the, the very, very root and then just make it like that. What they're trying to do is look, this is giving us opportunities to what I call passive pressures, where we're changing things up but you can't necessarily tell it. It's not a blitz where you can just, you're looking at it in the naked eye and you're like, I know that that's a blitz and I know what that is, right? It's more or less, hey, we're we're changing the front structure post-snap. Maybe a guy's moving one gap or creepers and sims where we're only sending four but for the uh, for the for the offense now we're changing up the structure we look like we're in a G front all of a sudden we're running a creeper now we're getting tight front fits with the A to C players on at the linebacker so i think that that's going to be a trend that you're going to see i think you're going to see more and more of an uptick of the creeper and, creeper and seam world i think that you're going to see more and more teams bounce from four down to three down four down to three down and kind of keep keep it fluid and really pressure the offense and i think it too it'll go week to week, depending on what kind of offense you're seeing. Two high shells that's something that's always kind of been in the college uh, world everybody's kind of just seen okay well you know you kind of either run quarters mostly everybody runs quarters and, and some sort of too high shell and then we're spinning down um, so I don't think it's as dramatic of a trend as we do see in the NFL but I put that in there because I do think in the NFL you're going to see more and more of that too high shell things working from what I call the table so you're working from the table you're working top down uh, keeping everybody leveraged and deep because again if I I'm doing play action, right? It gives my it gives my secondary time, especially my safety that's working down. It gives him time to see what's coming, and then I'm not that deep if it ends up being a pass. I'm still kind of in that intermediate area, which is exactly where you want him to be. So, two high shells I think will be be another trend to see pre snap motion. I kind of mentioned it earlier with the wide zone jets orbits all of those pre-snap motions you know that's one of the topics of that f- has been around for the the past couple of years especially with the the McVay and the shanahan offense getting more and more prowess in the nfl is these pre-snap motions and how that changes the epa of the play remember that it remember that it, that's expected points uh so what they've seen is in the past couple of years is if i use pre-snap motion the epa of the play goes up which means i'm more likely likely to score and more likely to have a successful play so the success rate of the of the play actually goes up if i have pre-snap motion the reason why is you're getting the defense to move a little bit or you're able to id what the coverage rotation is going to be because of the motion and how you change that so i would expect more reductions more pre-snap motions more of that kind of mcveigh shanahan trend trickling down from the nfl to uh, college football the one thing about the NFL is the Fangio Shanahan McVay kind of that whole encompassing tree uh, and kind of that sphere of influence is going to be even more I mean you see that the the Fangio system is going to be almost a third of the league that's either running somebody that has worked for Vic Fangio or they've essentially just changed their defense to fit that it's kind of what we saw in 2018 with Iowa State's defense everybody just started saying okay what's going on up there in Ames I think I kind of like that. Let's get their film. Let's kind of piecemeal it together and let's put it in our own. And now you look at college football landscape and I think almost everybody has some sort of three high, high safety, uh, Package or that's what they're doing as a defense. I know that's what's coming to TCU. That's going to be something that's really interesting for TCU. Is that man? We've been the four-two-five uh, godfather forever, and now all of a sudden we're going to have a three-three-high safety uh, look more like Iowa State. So that'll that'll be a little jarring for TCU fans and for Big Twelve fans that are so used to seeing that that old four-two-five Gary Patterson. Now all of a sudden that that is going to be gone. So again, look for pre-snap motions. It. It makes the play more successful over time. If you look at analytics, the other thing that you're going to see is five man pressures on medium downs, especially with defenses that have elite line talent. This is something that you saw with Georgia last year. You know, when you think of Georgia, you think of the saving system, you think of Kirby smart, you think of creeper Sims, you think of, uh, you know, we're kind of that we're, we're in that creeper Sim world. But what you saw last year was such an uptick in five-man pressures. Well, why do you do five-man pressures? Five-man pressures are great when it comes down to getting one-on-ones with offensive linemen. They had such an elite defense last year that if I have an elite defense and I have elite defensive line and box backers, let's get five-man pressure so I can get the one-on-ones. I think you're going to see more and more of that come on medium downs five-man pressures are great against the run and they're good against the pass because you can get the one-on-one or if you know it's an early down and that what kind of path you know are they a zone centric are they gap centric you're able to then kind of pinpoint that on early downs and yet still get those one-on-ones if it turns into a pass so that's something i think that you're going to see dave aranda mentioned that he did an interview with 247 sports uh during the off he mentioned that that was something that he was looking at i think if you go and you look at all these other defenses and kind of what they've talked about box pressures inside linebackers blitzing has been uh, more and more on the uptick. Uh, and that's where you're seeing a lot of these pressures come from. Why are you doing that? One, you're keeping the back in the box. So you're helping your coverage out with numbers, but two, you're also getting the, the one-on-one. So that's something to think about as we go in there um, again, thank you for joining me on, as we transition into more of a Friday thought for the, for the art of X show, look forward to week zero, Go watch some football. Enjoy it. It's back. Let's all have a great season. Again, make sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel. Make sure to subscribe if you're listening in on podcast form. Always subscribe to the Match Quarter Substack. And follow me on Twitter at the underscore coach underscore A. Thank you.